you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. This is a unique episode, um, particularly because it's not going to be our normal episode where I talk about a lot of things. Instead, this is an uh, Instagram Live uh, interview that I had with Brittany from the Instagram handle Period Wings. It's talking all about the federal lawsuit that we did file last week, my firm filed last week, regarding uh, mask order down here in San Diego County. Uh, so this is a long-form interview. It's about an hour long. Um, so it's presented for you guys who are podcast listeners, uh, so you can get in on, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, which you should follow me on Instagram because this is where all this stuff gets posted. Um, so this is basically some questions. People chimed in, uh, had some questions and I answered them from the legal aspect of what we, what the goal of this federal lawsuit was. Uh, and it's been a crazy, crazy hectic week, uh, for us or for my, my firm, for my work. Uh, lots of good calls. I would say it's probably about 90, 10 in the sense of mostly positive people reaching out and supporting a federal lawsuit to get rid of the mandatory mask requirement. So without further ado, I don't want to take up too much time because it is a long interview. I will present this. Uh, this is the interview, the audio of that from the Instagram live video. So with that, uh, enjoy and I'll see you on the next one. Let's try this again. Clearly good technology and an understanding of everything um, technological is not my strong suit. But, um, okay, we are waiting to get, oh, here he is. Okay, let me grab Phil, Phil real quick. Um, he's gonna jump on here and then we are going to just open forum it, kind of let you eavesdrop or participate, ask questions, field any comments you might have about everything pertaining to our San Diego County public health order and um, the lawsuit that Phil with Red A Law, who's coming on in just a second, um, what he's doing in regards to this lawsuit and the process of it and what that looks like for San Diego. Um, so I'm gonna go grab him. So bear with me, I'm gonna grab him right now. All right. Okay, let's see if this works, guys. <gasps> Look at us. We did a thing. Look at us being all technological. <laughs> hey. How's it going? Thanks for joining. Thank you for jumping on and doing this. No problem. It's my pleasure. So everyone, this is Phil. This is our warrior who is out on the front lines right now with um, up against this crazy public health order that we have in San Diego County um, that we all are very thrilled with. Um, Phil takes this all from a constitutional perspective because that is his lane. And um, so we're so lucky to have him in San Diego fighting on our behalf and um, getting this lawsuit written and filed federally. So this is really just an opportunity for anyone who's um, active right now to feel free to ask. I know, April. <laughs> Phil, don't put, touch your face, they're saying. Be careful, you might need a mask, you're touching your face. Uh-oh, can you hear us, Phil? Yep, I can still hear you. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, I'm not, touching, I'm not supposed this... to touch my face. I know. Um, oh, hey, Ashton. Yep, so the Ashton is also is joining us as well. Um, if anybody has any uh, like medical questions, he can, he can answer those a little bit better than I can. 
Can we get uh, him on here too? I don't know. I think it's only two people at a time. I don't know how many people we can get on at once. Ashton, so sorry. I don't think I can add you. But Ashton's here. Um, so if anyone has questions, since he's the plaintiff in this um, this suit, feel free to ask him questions too. I know that he works with Palomar, um, Palomar Health, and he is the driving force behind the lawsuit. And then the one driving the lawsuit is um, is Phil with Arete Law. Did I pronounce that right? Arate Law, it's close. Arate, okay. Yep. So um, I guess I'll just start it out. We, um, to give a little background on this. So we're sitting still in a state of emergency in San Diego. And because mm -hmm. of that, we are sitting under public, uh, public health order that is written by Dr. Wooten. And she is our public health officer in San Diego County. And because of the situation with um, the state of emergency, she has um, honestly a tremendous amount of control, correct? With how she's able to, um, what she's able to mandate right now. Is that right? Uh, it's correct to a certain amount. And that's sort of something we allege in our complaint is that under California statutes, which is what they cite in their health order, you are they are granted some authority to uh, meet contagious or prevent the spread of contagious disease. But it has to be what is necessary. And it's even the language in the statute says may be necessary. Uh, and that's when we kind of went down the rabbit hole for case law and saw that the general consensus is they do have this power, but it can't start to infringe upon fundamental rights. And it also has to be reasonably necessary and narrowly tailored in the sense that you can't just whole cloth say, well, everybody's got to wear a mask. Everybody's got to stay home because we're not sure who's healthy and who's not healthy. And in fact, there's one Supreme Court case um, talks directly on this subject. And this is more about the lockdowns. Uh, you can't just, lock and quarantine everybody in their homes. And this was about a case where they were uh, discussing a neighborhood that had infected uh, citizens. So they said, you can only really quarantine those infected citizens that you are positive they are infected. Um, you can't just whole cloth the entire city and say everyone's quarantined. Which makes sense because up until this point, the way that we view quarantine is you quarantine the sick, you don't quarantine the healthy. That's correct, yeah. Um, so somebody did just ask, and I don't know if you know the answer to this. Um, I know that there is a lawsuit pending right now, or actually it's not even a lawsuit. It's, um, it's a measure that we were introducing in assembly, but, um, isn't there a termination date on the public health order? If someone's asking that. Is, uh, I believe, I don't remember the number. Is that the recent one with the, they're trying to end the governor's emergency powers? Is that what? I think discussing? it's a, it's, yeah. um, it's a five number. I just posted about it. It might be ACR five, but um, that is, yes, where they are saying that at this point, the governor's power um, to declare a state of emergency should be terminated. Um, so I think the follow-up question on that is, um, hang on, someone's asking a question. Yeah, I'll answer about the asymptomatic, or actually, I think that might be the plaintiff that's, that's weighing in. Could you... Um, send that in again because I missed it. But okay, so to go back to um, the power that the governor has right now is declared because of a state of emergency. So I think the follow up question directly for San Diego as it relates to this public health order is when that is extinguished, does that mean that the power that the public health or um, official is holding with this public health order? Does that also is that terminated at that same point? No. So under the statutes, um, 
the California legislature and the statutes have granted these public health officers, and that's across the state, the authority to enact these measures or enact measures that may be necessary to stop the spread of a contagious disease. So even if Governor uh, Gavin Newsom backs off on this um, and stops his emergency powers and all his executive orders and everything, it doesn't mean that the health officers such as Dr. Wooten can stop doing what they're prescribing. As a health officer, they still have the authority to do so. But that's why we sort of went just with San Diego County as opposed to going all the way up the ladder because it doesn't really necessarily involve Gavin Newsom. The power is really vested in the public health officers like Dr. Wooten. So then let me ask you this, because you probably know the answer, is with her power that she holds right now to enact this mandate, this public health order, could that just go on unchallenged for as long as she wants to uphold it? Or is there a certain point that is measured and says, like, that's it? Well, I think that's sort of the point of this lawsuit is to say that we do concede that you have the authority, you can do this, but the science does not back this up. And one of the goals of this lawsuit is essentially either to get them to back off and say, okay, we're not going to require it anymore. Um, we can highly, I just saw someone say that in Riverside, they're highly recommending it. That's mm -hmm. fine as well. Um, but the requirement is what's really the infringement on your constitutional rights and these fundamental rights. So they can do what is necessary as long as they think there's a contagious disease they have to actually stop. But the complaint is full of studies uh, that we have found and we could have gone on and just every day there are more studies there's more evidence right I mean if we if we just waited around we would have had 200 studies that we could have added to this complaint but we wanted to get it filed um, let me interrupt you because yeah. a good question just came up how does um, Dr. Wooten have the authority to deprive us of our constitutional rights and I think that that is a perfect question for you mm -hmm. as it relates to exactly what your angle is in this lawsuit. Because yes, I know that the plaintiff keeps commenting on here and I thank you for all your comments about the asymptomatic transmission issue. Um, I, so just a side step a little bit, I had that same issue with the, um, the pushback I got directly from Dr. Wooten was specific to the asymptomatic transmission, the alleged transmission at the time. Um, and when mm -hmm. I followed up with her again about that, um, there was no, no relief to the fact that our current science and our current data proves that that asymptomatic transmission, um, theory that we initially held has been, um, it's been found to be unsubstantiated by our current data and science. So, which mm -hmm. is fact, that's, that's where we're at currently with our data and science. So to uphold a mandate based on that is, um, in my opinion, reckless and inappropriate, but I want to give you the spotlight to um, discuss the constitutionality of depriving our rights in favor of what is being upheld by right now by Dr. Wooten, um, in the name of for the sake of asymptomatic transmission as being her leading banner for this um, this public health order of the mask mandate? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the simple answer is she doesn't have the right to infringe upon your constitutional rights. And that's what we've cited in our complaint on, on not only California constitutional law, but Supreme Court law as well. Um, to state that you can do these measures, but only up so as far that you don't infringe upon these fundamental rights. So so far, this is really one another motivating factor is that a lot of these officials in California get away with a lot of these things. This, this isn't really just, this is more of a general comment about California and its governance. 
is because a lot of people don't push back on it because people don't bring the fight to a lot of these California politicians. They sort of just push and push and push and no one really pushes back, which is why they, you know, it's like you give, you can get you know, away with a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they figure that, that a lot of times they'll just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and no one's really going to push back. So the simple answer is she doesn't have the right. And that's what our complaint is basically stating with all these different claims is that she's not only violating uh, U.S. constitutional law, but she's also violating California constitutional law. Um, so, so can you touch that, on that? Because I'm mm-hmm. sure there are a lot of people who um, don't know as much as you do about law. But can you separate those out, the California Constitution, U.S. Constitution, and like how we play um, into that as citizens of California and America? So uh, we had five claims for relief. Um, Two of them are really based on California law. The first one, which is the violation of police power. So under the 10th Amendment, any right or any power that's not granted to the federal government thereby goes to the states. And the police power is one of those that sort of has a broad power that the municipalities, counties, states can sort of just enact these measures and force people to do things, whether it's for the general welfare. And that's really where you get a lot of these statutes regarding public health. Um, So that's our first claim is that she's gone way past what the police power allows, which again, it's been pretty consistent through all our findings is that you can't infringe upon fundamental rights. Uh, Two through four, are the violation of privacy, the violation of personal medical decisions, and the violation yes. of right to travel, which means that you are effectively limited in where you can go. You either have to choose between, do I travel, do I have the freedom to travel intrastate where I want to go, or do I have to decide I wear this mask and violate my right to privacy? Right, which, and also your right to risk, um, you know, our mm-hmm. whole or not a right to risk, but our practice of medicine is built on the premise of if there is a risk, there must be choice, period. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is that is a core baseline of our practice of medicine in the States. And that goes all the way back to Nuremberg trials. So yeah. as soon as you start infringing upon that and saying it doesn't matter if there's a risk, you're gonna, you're gonna mandate it. That creates um, a big problem with where our benchmark is and in your right to, um, to choose if there's a risk. Mm -hmm. So in her saying in this public health order, you're mandated period. And if you're not gonna wear it, you don't get to go into the store, you don't get to sit on the beach, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we can keep stretching that out. That that's even a violation of um, if there's a risk, there has to be choice period. You can't be Mm -hmm. manipulated into it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's ironically the best case law I found on point when it comes to right to privacy are cases um, Griswold v. Connecticut was about uh, the state of Connecticut forcing married couples to wear contraceptives, um, other rights, mostly out of the abortion cases, the right to privacy, essentially the my body, my choice argument. Um, so ironically, those sort of activist uh, rulings are now coming back and the chickens are coming home to roost in that sense that you can't, mm-hmm. you've created this right to privacy of my body, my choice. Yeah, to pull it. I get to, Yeah, so I get to make my own personal medical decisions. um, And now they, so we'll see what they say uh, against our argument. But going back to finishing the the claims, the last one, which um, I know a lot of people don't even think about. So let's go back. So you have the policing. The policing Policing. is one. And then two through four are privacy, my, my body, my choice, that idea of if there's a risk, there must be choice, all of that. And then you said Mm -hmm. you have one more. Is that right? 
so the third one is right to travel. And then the last one is based on Article 1, Section 1 of the California Constitution, which guarantees the right to liberty. So it's basically a broad right to liberty to make your own choices, to do what you want. Um, so those are our claims to relief and that those are that she is based on this order and the, the studies we found, you've infringed upon all those rights. And it's a violation of those rights. Mm-hmm. So it's packed full of a lot of, we tried to, you know, hit her, not specifically Dr. Wu, and I don't want to just keep singling out her. Um, we have recently also just amended and, and added the County of San Diego, as long as, as well as the board of supervisors to get them involved as well. Whoa, whoa, okay, wait, I didn't, didn't know that. So how you amended your lawsuit? That literally this is hot off the presses. We uh, amended our lawsuit to add the County of San Diego and the uh, Board of Supervisors as well. Wow. And the reason for that being is because under the government code, I'm trying to remember what number it is. What happens is if you sue the county as a whole, it then goes to the Board of Supervisors to really conduct the litigation. And in doing so, you now have the Board of Supervisors weighing in on sort of where does the litigation go? Do we settle? Do we back off of this? As opposed to just the three original uh, defendants who might dig in their heels and say, we've been right this whole time. So it's a strategic move. That's why we filed this yes, amended complaint. Yes, Ashton, hot new info. This is hot new info. I had no idea that, um, I mean, you and I talk pretty often, but I had no idea that you were um, moving in that, in that direction. So that essentially pulls in our County Board of Soups as well into this discussion. Is mm -hmm. that right? That's correct. Um, is there any precedence for this? Have we had any other counties do anything like this? As far as I know, uh, we haven't had any other counties sue their public health officers. Um, and ever since we filed on Monday and the news started to break, I've been contacted by people not only all over California, but people even across the country. Um, you know, an attorney in Massachusetts said, I, I have a client who wants to file the same thing. People up in Washington want help. Uh, Orange County has reached out to me to file a similar lawsuit against them. Um, so there is a lot of, this is building a lot of things. And I, and I always tell Ashton, like, you, you really lit a fire that is now spreading across the yeah. country. Um, and there's a lot of people behind what you've done and what you've started. And this is its pretty incredible to hear all the people who've been calling in. Um, calling yeah, I've in had email. a lot of people even asking me like, hey, tell me more about this. How can we get this going for our county? We've tried. We've done the call-ins for the county supervisors. We've sent in letters. Nothing's changing. I did want to ask you about Riverside because Riverside's a neighbor for us here in mm -hmm. San Diego. And both Riverside and San Bernardino, they um, amended their public health orders without it going to lawsuit. So how did that um, happen? What was the traction there that we didn't gain in San Diego? Because I have worked effortless, effortlessly on this issue. And um, this community here at Rooted Wings has been so powerful in just working hard. That was my husband calling me, um, but to get it amended and we, um, you know, I have spoken with Dr. Wooten. I have spoken with our county supervisors and we just haven't been able that we've seen in um, Riverside and San Bernardino. So what's the difference? I think it's basically the elected officials and um, it, it's 
county by county based on who's in power. So if they they backed off a little bit, I don't know too much about what they did or why they did it, but I imagine if they did it on their own, it's probably because they didn't see the science, they didn't believe that it was necessary, they have a different viewpoint than someone like Dr. Wooten who has drafted this order. Um, so that's what it's really about. And I think you're going to get, this is really why, you know, we worked on that letter about a month ago and we spent, we sent that out and spread the word. Um, but they never replied to it. So our whole thing now is if you didn't pay attention to us with the letter, you're going to have to pay attention to us now with this federal lawsuit. So it's forcing them to the table to discuss this, show us your science, show us your data, why we need to do this. Um, and, you know, if the hypothetically, which I'm not saying it is based on what we've seen, if you were to show me all the science and say, look, it is 110% guaranteed if you wear a mask, you'll be protected and you're protecting others. But that's not the case. We've seen, you've seen studies, I've seen studies that it, it's not conclusive enough for any reason for us to all have to wear masks. Um, could it be highly recommended? Sure. If you want to highly recommend Absolutely. it. If you want Which to recommend what, it, and I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. Um, CDC just came out with, I'll actually link it after this, um, this video, but, or this live. I, um, the CDC just released a study where they looked at all the studies from across the world regarding um, viral spread and mask wearing. And they said there was no, there was no difference. Uh, that was their mm -hmm. their conclusion. There is no difference with mask wearing or not. And this is the same CDC who is saying we highly recommend, we highly recommend that you wear it. But what I have asked Dr. Wooten and pushed her on is then we should mirror that. It should be if you want to make it a strong recommendation with all due caution, then that's that's proper um, in in accordance to our constitutional rights, um, our freedoms, and it also mirrors our our state of California and even on a federal level that this is a recommendation but it is not a mandate that we know is inherent with risk yeah and i think when you explain it to someone a lot of people get really upset about this and, and i've i've had hate mail um i've had people call my receptionist and cuss them out um i had someone leave a voice message uh insulting me demanding i wear a mask um because i was a pasty white dumb shit um, so there are people who have like this guttural reaction, but I think when you explain to people, the point of this lawsuit is not to say, let's outlaw masks. Obviously mm -hmm. that's not the goal of this It's to say you shouldn't require healthy people who are not asymptomatic, who have no chance are not really, uh, at risk of getting this or don't have it to wear masks and inconvenience them when they and infringe upon their constitutional rights. And the sadder thing is, is I've heard so many people uh, reach out to me and contact me, people with health issues. And there's no absolutely no guidance in the order about what happens when you have health issues. What happens if you have asthma and you can't wear a mask? What happens if you're a single parent and you need to buy food for your, your children? You can't wear a mask in a grocery store because it uh, affects your health and you can't breathe. So mm -hmm. what, what do you do in that situation where you cannot go into a store because you can't wear a mask, but you have to feed your children. So it becomes 
this issue of it's vague, it's overbroad, it's not backed by science. It's not, um, and we're creating a weird police state among citizens too, because you know someone just commented they have a medical exemption, but what are you supposed to do? Like pull that out every time you go into a store, every time you go into a restaurant? Like where, mm -hmm. what, how does this play out? You know, at what point are we causing more harm in the name of a solution? You know, and discriminating against people who truly can't or because of the risk, they have the right to say, I choose not. I would rather risk getting COVID. We know now asymptomatic transmission is not a thing. So we need, that needs to be addressed with Wooten. And I know that that's not, um, you know, your angle specifically in this lawsuit, but that is, um, it's inappropriate to continue waving that banner and saying, because of asymptomatic transmission, everyone must wear a mask. It's not appropriate, it's not appropriate. Well, you might need a, a mask right now, actually. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just a normal sneeze, everybody, don't worry. Um, but I think too, um, a couple of things, I wanted to go backwards to show what we've tried so far. And then I want you to go forward and um, kind of explain what happens next. Like. The ball is rolling now. What can we expect? Um, and then my the final thing I want to hit on is why it's so important that this is amended because going into the fall, when our kids are in school, they will pull from this this public health order to mandate the masks on our kids because as our public health order stands right now, it's every San Diegan over the age of two must must be masked. So um, our our districts are going to have to honor that and uphold that, and that is problematic. So it doesn't just end as soon as school starts. This is going to be enforced on our schools as well. So going backwards, what we've tried so far in this community is we've tried um, the phone calls. I've called in and spoken with the county supervisors. I've worked with the county supervisors. We've launched calls to action where we have um, directed personal emails to um, Dr. Wooten and our health officials. Um, then we did a, a large call to action on a singular email so that we could communicate it um, clearly. And we, uh, we approached our county supervisors, Dr. Wooten, and then um, there are two other officials um, alongside Dr. Wooten. Dr. Wooten holds the most power. And um, the pushback again was that asymptomatic transmission issued directly from Dr. Wooten to me, that um, that's why this, this mandate is in effect. And then with you, we actually sent a legal letter, which was pretty much our strongest warning, just saying this needs to be amended to be made a suggestion, but not a mandate. So that's kind of where we were up until this point, right? Did I miss anything along the way? Uh, I mean, I came in at the letter, so that's really where our our and we are so thankful uh, for you partnership. By the way. We're Sorry, so thankful so. for you. So you um you drafted a strong letter, and we had a lot of people that jumped on that, and a lot probably a lot of people that are watching this right now and who will watch it because I'll post this video um, after we're done. But um a lot of people who are just in this community signed on to that letter. So then we sent that in, and we where did that end up? Um, so you can kind of engage with with everyone here. Uh, we never heard anything back from the letter. Um, and that's sort of when I went to Ashton and said, well, I haven't heard anything back. And it was about a week. And this was after you had confirmed that they had all gotten it and they had all received a copy. Um, and that's when he said, we talked about it. He said, okay, let's go forward with the lawsuit. Um, and that's when we went forward with it. It took a, a little bit longer to draft it. We wanted to make sure it was really strong uh, argument-wise and everything like that. And we had enough studies. But um, 
that's where we are right now. And, and, and again, it's a great, it's about, it, the lawsuit's yeah. great. I think that the angle is so good that you really did um, take on like the constitutionality issue, you know, with this, that it's illegal. It's not just um, medical, you know, um, but you approached it also from, from our rights and liberties. And that perspective mm -hmm. was made very strong and very clear. So you didn't file that in San Diego. You filed that. Explain kind of wh where you filed it and how that all works. Uh, so there's two different types of courts. Um, and what happens is there's the, st the state superior court, which handles basically your day-to-day -day, uh, car crashes, stuff like that, that happened here in San Diego, um, trying to boil civil procedure down to 30 seconds. Uh, and then there's federal court, which is also downtown here in San Diego in, in what is called the Southern District. And whenever there's a question of the U.S. Constitution, that kind of, it's a federal question. That's when you file it in federal court and it, it's up to federal judges to kind of decide on the constitutionality of issues. So that's why it landed in, in federal court as opposed to just normal superior court. So what do they do at this point? They received it because um, you, you said that it's like conformed. Is that the, the word? Like it's, you use some technical like legal term. I don't know. Uh, conformed, conformed is basically uh, when the court gets it and they add a number to the top, it means they've accepted it and that it's in they've accepted the public it. record. Yeah. So what, so that's what basically happened? a conformed copy. Okay. Well now I know I can use that and feel like I'm really smart. Um, but what happens now at this point going forward? So the, the courts had it for, um, like a week now, right? Is when you mm -hmm. filed it. So what, what's the movement like from here forward? So what happens now is, um, we did we were finally able to serve the defendants um through substitute service ironically we weren't able my service process server were not able to get down to the administration building because of the protests and the riots that were going on um, so they weren't even allowed in or allowed near it for several days um, they've been served um, but now with this amended complaint we also have to go out and serve uh, the county and the board of supervisors as well and bring them into the lawsuit and from there, it's basically up to them to how they want to respond. Um, in legal terms, they can file what they call an answer. They can answer the complaint and um, basically dispute the facts in it. Or most likely what we believe is they're going to try and file as a motion to dismiss and try and kick it out of court. But we're already okay. starting to work on that as well, a reply to motion to dismiss. And I think our arguments are strong enough that there is something there. I wouldn't have filed this if I didn't think that there was a strong argument. The arguments uh, are very strong. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's very strong. It's very clear. It's very direct. Um, so they could, they have those couple options. Now, how does it work with the, um, the court in the decision-making process? Where is this um, something where you go in with the plaintiff, mm -hmm. Ashton, and you guys speak before a judge? Or is this all done very, like, anonymously from this point forward? Uh, so what happens now... Um, in any lawsuit is the the parties kind of just go back and forth at each other the court is there as sort of a re referee at this point they're not really doing anything um so the defendant will either file a motion to dismiss and then the court's got a rule on that um based on also our, re our replies so just because you file a lawsuit doesn't mean the judge is going to step in right away and look at the paper and say i totally agree with this let's strike it down but the other strategic thing that we're trying to do is to get them to the table to negotiate, get them speaking with us and say, look, why don't you just, instead of, do you want to fight this out forever? Do you want to spend taxpayer mm -hmm. money on something when the county's already not making enough tax mm -hmm. revenue because of all the closures? 
or do you want to just back off this and say, well, now it's highly recommended, but it's not mandated. Let the chips right. fall where they are. Again, if private businesses or private individuals decide they want to require masks or, you know, a business wants to require you have a mask or a person wants to walk around with a mask, that's their own decision. Mm -hmm. We're fine with that. Uh, but it's really the requirement. We're trying to get Section 9 taken out of the order. So it's no longer mandated countywide. And it's really left up to the people and the businesses to decide how they want to move forward. From that. Everyone watching just hearted that. They really liked everything you just said. <laughs> And I like it too. I think I think that's what we have been pushing for. And um, there is power in like in legal argument versus the people, you know, just continuing to push, push, push. And that's why we're so thankful to have you um, along with Ashton really driving this forward legally because we have tried and tried to work just from a personal um, platform and um, as individuals and it just it's gonna take us that's why I keep reminding people like the battle is going to be won I really I do have full confidence in that I have total peace of mind I know it's a frustrating um, order and there are a lot of us that um, would have liked to have seen it reversed sooner or amended sooner um, but I have complete confidence that we're gonna win this battle because I think that the logic driving the public health for um, order forward and upholding it right now um, is it's inappropriate and it really isn't um, founded by the science and data that we currently have so I truly am thankful for you taking the reins on this um, from that legal perspective and just driving it you know to the point that we're at right now um, someone asked earlier when you were talking how does this work with the um, like the personal businesses and um, like beaches or even school districts. So say everything works out perfectly, there are unicorns and glitter and we get through this really quickly, the thing's amended, it's made a suggestion. So what does that mean in terms of our restaurants, our beaches and our schools? Can they still say, nope, we're gonna uphold this as mandatory even though it's been amended to be a suggestion? So what would happen at that point? Uh, let's start with private businesses. As as everybody knows, it's the famous no shoe, no shirt, no shoes, no service. If a place says you need a mask to come in, then you can't really argue with what the mask uh, with with the mask that requirement that they have because they're a private business. Um, again, you can always show them the exemption. You can always show them that you have a dis that something that is affecting you. Um, so that's really the private businesses are going to be up to their own. Um, device and whether they want to uh, go forward with it. I My personal belief is that after, if it does get, I should say when it does get revoked, um, is that a lot of businesses will probably back off of it and not require it as much. Um, mm -hmm. Some will probably still do, but you'll probably see a lot of businesses stop requiring it. When it comes to schools, schools are obviously governed by their own governing body. Um, so the school districts themselves, they have their elected leaders and their officials. Um, Again, this is why I always tell people it's very important that when you go to vote, you don't just vote for the most popular or, you know, when you vote for president this year, there's also like all these other positions that you have to worry about. So make sure you do your research and fill those positions yes. in as well, because yes. those are the people who I think affect your daily life yes. way more than yes. who the president of the United yes. States is. Yes. Um, so that, that might be another fight where schools start to, um, impose their own mask requirement, but it depends on whether they, they go by the, the county ordinance, whether they believe that if the county backed off, do they really need to do it? Um, and then that, it becomes a local fight with your school districts. Um, so 
it's not, I wouldn't say it's going to ban the mask at school, but it does give these schools leeway after it's going to be revoked that, um, that they can make their own decision and then they don't have the county over them. Emily, yeah, I agree. I think businesses will back off too once they start to lose business. Um, I think it's going to be hard to continue to enforce something if it's not enforced federally or state or even like county level. I think we're going to see a drop off on all of that. Plus, honestly, I'm just speaking freely, but I think the more data and science that does come out to confirm that these masks are ineffective, that they are laden with risks, we I am seeing a growing frustration just um, engaging within my community uh, and seeing seeing this, this um, just unrest over it continue to grow. So I think we're seeing the pushback growing and we're seeing people become more frustrated with it because of the lack of science to uphold it. Um, so one more question I have for you and then I'll like go through, I'll let anyone like fire off questions, but what's the timeline on this? Like what do we, um, I'm gonna close this because you're gonna hear some noise in a second, but what um, is the timeline like? When should we start to see kind of a direction of how, what the response is going to be on the court level and then how soon could we see this amended if that's the direction it goes? Uh, it's always hard to decide. I mean, once you get served with a complaint in federal court, you have 21 days to respond to it, whether they take the full 21 days or not. Um, Again, strategically, we hope that by bringing in the county and the Board of Supervisors, they reach out, they say, do you really want to keep going through with this? What can we do to settle? And that's really what we're trying to force here is a settlement. So if we could get them to back off and settle, I could see maybe the next maybe couple weeks, maybe a month. Um, that's really our goal is we just want to get them to the table and say, just remove section nine, just get rid of section nine of the order, don't make it a requirement and just highly recommend it. Or do you wanna fight this out and spend thousands of dollars that you don't have? Um, so that's really our strategy. And hopefully that's the strategy and that's where they go and cooler heads prevail. Um, and for those wondering, I'm just gonna read off section nine. So section, this is our whole public health order. And it holds a lot, there's a lot in this thing. Um, and it, it um, I get a lot of questions on, wait, that's not the public health order I saw originally. It is the same one, it just continues to be amended. Because as we go on, they're going to keep changing the language in it. And as long as we're um, under this public health order, we're gonna see it continue to evolve. I think that the first was, um, when we saw this mask mandate hit for San Diego was, I think it was May 1st. Do you remember, Phil, am I right on that? Yeah, I think I remember in our complaint, it was, the date was April 30th that they signed or something. It went in effect around May 1st. So, so your lawsuit is specifically um, contesting Section 9 of the public health order, correct? Yes. Okay, so Section 9 says, all persons two year old or older who are present in the county shall have possession of a face covering described in California Department of Public Health face covering guidance issued on April 1st, 2020. When they leave their home or place of residence shall wear the face covering whenever they are in a business or within six feet of another person who is not a member of their family or household. Persons with a medical or mental health condition or developmental disability that prevents wearing a face covering shall be exempt from this requirement. And this has been upheld. They haven't changed the language since they, um, since they initially wrote that into the, the order. So for those who have asked me, well, are they changing that? No, that's, that's the same. It's stagnant. We've seen that's been static since they wrote it. So essentially your lawsuit is tackling that one section. You're not focused on anything else. No, we wanted to make it as, uh, 
laser precision as possible, mostly because of the fact that that's where our, our data and facts back us up. Um, so we wanted to really go after that one specific section. And I think that was, uh, you know, I'd like to say that was deliberate because we wanted to, we want to, again, we want to come across. Sorry about that. I got a call. Um, so that people actually, so the, the, the defendants want to come to the table and negotiate with us. If we were just to go after like the entire order and just say, well, we believe the whole thing is unconstitutional, which I'm sure there's an argument we could write a whole bigger complaint and say the whole thing is unconstitutional, but we don't Ashton, want to I'm do that you. part. I'm against Sorry, everything it's... too, Ashton. He just said we're against everything. I agree. I'm against everything too, but this lawsuit is specific to, um, to number nine. Yes. Yeah, we're just looking at number nine. Um, that way we could just really, and we also have to push them on this one specific order and say, look, show to us why section nine is needed. Why is it necessary? Why is it narrowly ta tailored to stop the spread of, uh, I call it my Sharona Cyrus now, because if you say the real world word, you get like censored or whatever off social mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's why we wanted to go after a specific section of the order. So that way we can get them to come to the table, get them to settle, get them to back off. Um, and then obviously we're still looking at all the other things that are going on with regards to businesses as well, businesses being closed. Um, and this is separate from this lawsuit. Um, people have contacted me about businesses, uh, how they can't survive on 25% or 50% capacity. Churches are still being affected at 50% capacity. Um, you know, it's 25. There's still 25%. Is it still 25? Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. We requested, that's our new motion. So we sent a request to, you know, our King Newsom and we're waiting mm. to hear cause he's declared church or, you know, a state is sovereign over the church right now, which is again, freaking backwards. And you want to fire my buttons. It's you don't, you don't let the state involve themselves in the practices of the church period, full stop. And he is mm. still upholding 25%, a hundred cap. So that's, that's our next battle. <laughs> That'll be our yeah, next conversation. But I've, we have I've been to contacted somewhere. by individual churches and a lot of people think, well, you know, do churches need to financially so well, yeah, churches have to pay bills as well. Churches have staff, churches have um, people that they that they hire. It's just like any other business. It's a nonprofit. So if you limit the amount of people who can be there, you're talking about different donations every week and the revenue has absolutely gone down. Uh, and I hate to say it, it's gone down the crapper since no one can go in. Um, so a lot of these smaller individual churches that aren't part of maybe the bigger, bigger organ national organizations are having trouble surviving because they've been so limited to, you can only have this many people inside your church. And it's, it's sad because that's, that's a great, it's a great point. And I like that you speak from that angle. Cause mine is the lost soul angle. I'm a Christian. I think that it is, exceptionally wrong for the church for the state to tell a church 100 lost souls not a single more like that that is everything we everything against what why and how we founded this country it is wrong mm -hmm. it places the state as sovereign over lost souls and that is a dangerous dangerous place for the state to stand and not move from so i know that we in san diego just um requested from King Newsom, um, his blessing to allow for the reopening of the churches. 
So we will see what his response is. But with Newsom too, he's, um, we don't ever really know how long it'll take for him to say yay or nay to things. So we're still, still waiting on that with him. Um, someone yeah. asked, and I think it's a good question too, is like, someone said, well, hey, the public health order, eventually it's gonna go away, you know, um, probably sooner than later. And then so, I think it was Ashton who actually said, um, yes, Ash Ashton, going back to the church thing, people can go to Walmart, they should be able to go to church. I, I agree, believe me, like mm -hmm. that is a passion of mine is getting our churches fully open or at least giving the freedom back. But okay, going back to this. So yes, even if the public health order goes away, I think there's a concern that if we don't fight this mask mandate, that could be something that we see more on a permanent basis. And I know Nathan Fletcher, one of our county supervisors, has been very vocal on this uh, being a new normal in San Diego, is this this mask situation. So I think that that's um, an important factor in why we are focused. And I know everything in the background right now, even in the foreground, can be really distracting, just the climate of our culture right now. But um, we have to stay really laser focused on these issues because that's how we can lose focus and then these things can become much more permanent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an important point is, again, it comes back to that argument I said before, which is California politicians and people in power, especially bureaucrats who are really unelected, they get away with a lot of this stuff because there are no, there is nobody pushing back on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's really, you just have to call them on their BS. The case law is there. The support is there. It's just people have to be willing to step up and do it. And um, I think that's one thing that uh, California really lacks is what they call lawfare. So, uh, and I don't want to generalize, if anybody's a Democrat in here, I don't want to just, I'm saying that the Democratic Party is very good at what they call lawfare, and they're very good at shooting down a lot of stuff they disagree with through their lawyers. They have very powerful organizations that support them. People on the other side don't really have a lot of those organizations. Harmeet Dillon is one. Uh, she has a, a nonprofit called Center for American Liberty, but there's only so much oh, they can she's do. Awesome. So, yeah, so she's really, awesome. it's up to more attorneys or people to get really involved in the fight and start pushing back. And I you think, just mentioned something I want to ask you. You said case yeah. law. Let the case law is there. What does that mean? So case law is basically whenever a court comes out with a ruling. You then go back, if you have a motion or a complaint, you use the, the rationale in that specific court ruling to show the court, this is really how we've ruled in the past. This is how it's been upheld. Um, it's the idea of stare decisis is that law is supposed to really kind of continue. And we've, we're supposed to uphold these ideas. Um, in case precedent is really what drives a lot of lawsuits is because if you have the case law on your side, then you can go and, and you have a better argument when you go to court and you need to convince these judges, this is why it's wrong. This is why it's unconstitutional. This happened in this case, similar to this. And here's the ruling they came to. And then usually the judges will agree with you. Hopefully nine times out of 10, you get rogue judges who go off the, the rails and do their own thing. But oh, that's what appeals courts are for. So do we have any case law specifically that would um, be a precedent for what you're trying to accomplish with this lawsuit right now? Uh, there's a whole bunch of them in the, in the complaint. Um, I mean, like I said before, when it comes to the Supreme court case stuff, um, a lot of the cases regarding right to privacy come from cases like Griswold v. Connecticut, which is the contraceptive case. Um, a 
abortion cases are a big one as well, that you have the right to basically the privacy of your own body and that the government can't really interfere with that. Um, so there's a lot of that case law on our side. That's great. Um, Ashton, you're um, talking about the GoFundMe. And I know, uh, Phil, I was actually just going through our messages and I missed that, that you had sent me um, along with the article. So I'll post the San Diego Union Trib ran an article about all of this. So I will post that with the link. And then I also saw that you guys are doing a GoFundMe. Can you um, talk a little bit about about what that is? Uh, the, Go the GoFundMe is basically just to help with the cost of the litigation. Like we said on the KUSI interview, uh, Ashton is not asserting any monetary damages out of this. It's just what they call an injunctive and declaratory relief, meaning asking the court to step in and do something to strike something down. Uh, so we're not asking for money. We're not expecting to get a huge settlement from this. We're not expecting to get a huge settlement. Again, like we've said with our goal, our goal is just to get them to get rid of Section 9. We're not asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages. We just believe it's unconstitutional, and that's why we're asserting this lawsuit. So the gun, GoFundMe uh, helps with a lot of the costs, um, court filing fees, you know, all the process servers, stuff like that. Uh, it does get a little expensive, so that's basically where the GoFundMe is going to. And otherwise, that's just out of pocket between, um, like, your practice and Ashton, correct? Basically, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I want to link that GoFundMe, and then even if anyone wants to chip in like $5, $20, I know that times are crazy, and a lot of people are out of work right now, but I'm sure like any little little bit helps, and Ashton, I know you're saying that the best support is the facts, and I agree, but I also think that if we can support you guys at all monetarily in all of this, because you really truly are fighting hard for us in San Diego to regain our rights and liberties as we should have them um, regained, but we need you guys. So um, if we can support you at all, we would love to. And even if it's just little bits and pieces here and there, can you, um, or you, you sent it to me. So I will post that link after we are all done and I get this whole thing capped and reloaded and all of that. Um, Someone said about the appeals. So what happens uh, with the with appeals? If our if this goes nowhere, if the if we have to appeal, then how does that work? Which I'm I'm hoping, and I think we're gonna get through this on the first round. But if we have to do appeals, then how does that work? Uh, if there's a ruling or something we don't agree with, then we would have to file an appeal with the uh, with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So. No. <laughs> so, trying our luck there. So that's why we kind of hope that it gets done here. Yeah. Southern District's a little bit better when it comes to sticking to constitutional principles. I okay. don't want to get too crazy, but uh, you don't want to get to get out to the Ninth Circuit because then it can get really hairy up there. Who makes yeah, let's the not go there. Let's but not. again, is it do, does the county want to fight out in an appeals court over something they could just revoke tomorrow and make it a high recommendation? It's really up to them. I mean, and if the Board of Supervisors is looking at it from a budgetary or economic, uh, they got to look at it from all different angles. They can't just look at it as, are we protecting her ego or anybody's ego in this? The Board of Supervisors are going to look at this and say, well, is it really worth fighting if they just want us to revoke this and make it highly recommended? Probably not. So that's why, again, we added did that strategic move to add the Board of Supervisors to the lawsuit. Yeah, so for those involved. of you who just joined, that's that's breaking news hot off the presses. We um, 
I keep saying we, but you and Ashton um, brought in the county soups at this point. So they are listed now on this lawsuit as well, which means that the round table just got bigger because you're including them. So in this discussion, do they actually have a say now because the angle of the lawsuit changed to include them? Will there be a discussion now where they actually are part of the decision making in making mm -hmm. this mandate turn into um, well, or section nine turn into a suggestion versus a mandate. Is that is that that's, how this that's works? That's precisely the the strategic goal is to get the supervisors involved. So now it's not just the three original people, and there might be a little tension. There might be a little disagreement about whether we want to fight this out, or do we just want to settle and just move on from this and you know live to fight another day. So well, I think it's that, brilliant. Yeah. I think. I think that was a brilliant, brilliant move, especially in how I have seen our soups four out of the five um, be very for our freedoms and liberties, and even um, a couple of them very much um, for the the mandate being a suggestion. So I think that's um, an incredible step forward to to include them. I want to open this up. I know that there were lots of questions rolling in and I wasn't able to catch all of them. So if you have any questions for Phil before we log off, um, this is kind of your opportunity to shoot um, shoot away any any questions before we, we say goodbye. But um, I'm just so appreciative for everything you and Ashton are doing. Ashton, do you have anything that you want to add? I know that you're down there in the comments. So if you have anything you want to add to this too, um, anything from your perspective on the direction of this lawsuit and if there are any questions. We covered a lot of ground though. I think that this was really helpful because I know that a lot of people have just been trying to figure out like what, um, what this lawsuit is about and then what, um, going forward how what does this look like like what's what are the steps forward i know someone did ask anything we can do to help so that's a good question i know from our platform here at rooted wings we are just very much involved heavily involved with the community and making the community a united voice and advocating for our rights and liberties so we will continue to put pressure i'll have another call to action now that i know the supervisors are involved i'll um I'll throw up another call to action to just remind the county supervisors that we want this um, mandate to be amended to be a suggestion because I think that's very important right now. So we'll do a, um, a call to action on that. But um, if there is anything else, Phil, that we can be doing right now that you can think of to um, to help you guys in this effort outside of the GoFundMe. Yeah, I think that you nailed it on the head. I think once we know that they've been served and everything and they're properly involved um just flood the supervisors because they're going to be aware of it they're going to be served with it they're all going to be aware know that they're now being sued and just push them to say look we just want it to be highly recommended we're not asking to you know i think that would be the best angle for anybody who wants to write in or talk to the supervisors is to just say we're not being unreasonable here we just want it to be a requirement make it a highly recommended practice but take away that requirement that we have to wear it based on what the lawsuit is. And even say as a taxpaying citizen that you don't want this, the county to fight out something like this um, and essentially spend tax dollars on fighting a lawsuit that could easily be resolved with a, a settlement. Um, Beachy family is asking, how will this impact essential workers suffering with mask mandates? So 
in sense of like, will they still be so required of, by their job? So a lot of uh, businesses right now are requiring their, mm -hmm. um, their employees to wear masks. Yeah. So I think, uh, again, it goes back to if you're a private business, you can require, uh, you will be, you will require, some people will require that you wear masks. But then it becomes really about the company and the company policies and stuff like that. And so, okay, still required by jobs, aka grocery, et cetera. And it's really up to the private businesses themselves whether they want to continue to work with it. But it really what it does is it takes that scapegoat away of saying, well, everyone's got to do it because it's the county ordinance and we got, or the, the order, so we got to do that. Take that away from them. Now it's up to the, the company themselves and they can go deal with their supervisors um, or anybody who runs their business and say, you know, I can't wear a mask for X, Y, and Z. It gives them the, the power to negotiate with their employer. Well, I can't wear it because of this health issue. And then, it, you know, I'm not an employment lawyer, but then it gets into a whole bunch of employment issues of if you have a, a health issue and you can't wear a mask, then, you, you know, the company can't just let you go. So I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. But again, it's about breaking down that that big layer of the requirement when it comes to the county and let everybody, the businesses and the individuals decide on their own. I think the, the strongest thing that I heard you tell out the community here today is that if we don't know how the legal system works and that truly our legal system is of, by, and for the people, that's the constitution, right? So if mm -hmm. we're not aware that we can push back and that we can question judgment calls within government and they are public servants. They're not dictators. And we have a lot of say as people, if we, if we're not aware of that and not actively engaged in that, then they can get away with anything. So this yeah. is, um, this is setting a precedent in that you are actively driving um, a legal lawsuit against what is in your um, in the lawsuit shown to be um, your arguments are that it's unconstitutional and that there's case law to support that. So um, I think that this is a really good step forward in us engaging with policymakers and reminding them that they cannot overstep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's so again, it's about yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of avenues and. I think a lot of people get kind of overwhelmed and think, well, the legal system is not for me. It's, you know, they're all so powerful. What am I going to do? The truth is a lot of these places, they don't want to fight out lawsuits. They don't want to go through the whole stress of fighting out a lawsuit, spending taxpayer dollars. Um, there's a lot of legal remedies and it's up to attorneys to reach out to citizens who are concerned, um, you know, outside of this, my firm is always taking a lot of these constitutional cases. We're always open to anybody whose constitutional rights are being violated. Yes. We're always open to speaking with you. It's not just this particular um, lawsuit, but you know, we have been working with other people on constitutional issues. So you just, I think people just have to realize there are legal avenues for people to speak up and you know, you just have to take advantage of them. And I think it's been incredible seeing sort of how this lawsuit has galvanized support of so many people to get involved and sort of lend their support, whether it's just emotional or spiritual or, or whatever, just to jump in and say, look, we support this and we want our voices heard as well. Um, so EJ e. Bites is asking, do we have public inquiry in the U.S.? I don't know. Um, 
what do you what do you know about that, Phil? Uh, is he, is he, are you talking about like freedom of information? Because they have that at the federal level for the U.S. and for California. It's called the freedom. It's not freedom of information. It's freedom of public records. So you can file and ask for any public records you want, both under federal and California, which I don't think is utilized enough in California. I don't think um, constitutional law firms or attorneys are doing a good job going after that information. So for example, like a good thing to, to maybe get a hold of uh, right now is what happened with that billion dollar mass deal that Newsom got kind of his wrist slapped on. Um, so that's one thing to look at. And, you know, there's a lot of public records out there that they think as long as people don't know they can't get it, then they're not going to look at it. So, um, so we've got one, the clock is ticking. It's telling me I have a minute left. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for everything you're doing, Phil. You're awesome. We are so fortunate to have you in San Diego. Um, truly, you are a godsend in all of this chaotic mess. And I'm thankful to have someone who, like you, knows our constitutional rights and is actively engaged in fighting and involving the community in this fight. So thank you so much. And Ashton, if you're still on here, thanks a ton for spearheading this and um, just everything you've contributed to this. Um, for those still watching, and again, I'm going to post this all and I'll link everything I mentioned. But um, I think right now our call to action is going to be important to be laser focused on our county supervisors, especially four of the five. And I, um, I encourage you, if you want to go to all five, great. But there are four of the five that are really important to focus on. And so I will put out a call to action on that just because the breaking news is that we're now, um, we are pulling in the county supervisors on this lawsuit. So do you have anything else that you want to say, Phil, before this time kills us? No, just thank you for having me on. Um, obviously, you can just message me through this Instagram handle if you have any questions. That's it. Yeah, and I'll link your your um, Arate Arate. How do you pronounce it? Law. Um, or, but I'll, Arate. I'll link you on that. And um, thank you guys all so much. Yes, focus on the supervisors and pressure, pressure, pressure them. This is huge, you guys. We're gonna see this battle won, and we are so thankful again for you, Phil, and everything you are doing. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 